And up to this point, we have seen Peter bringing great encouragements to a greatly persecuted people. This people that have been dispersed, this people that are experiencing many of them uh, going through martyrdom, uh, pushed out of their homeland into a foreign land, and yet continuing on in the Lord Jesus Christ. We'll go over some of those encouragements again in a bit. Today, though, we're going to see Peter beginning to bring them exhortations, some instructions, and so forth. And listen, all these encouragements are as much for us as they were for them. All of these exhortations are as much for us as they were for them. And this morning, as you see the title of the message, message, Gird Up the Loins of Your Mind, we'll see Peter encouraging them to, again, to think rightly, to think soberly, to understand, yes, you are in a great spiritual war. You are in a fiery trial. We have issues of our own flesh that we got to wrestle with every single day and it is imperative that our minds are ready for battle that we think soberly that we are looking at things through a biblical perspective through an eternal perspective and we're going to talk a lot about that this morning we'll see him encouraging them to rest their hope fully on the grace of god that will come at the revelation of jesus christ again look at We have hopes here and so forth, uh, you know, things coming and going. But he encourages them, again, in the midst of everything they're going through, to fully rest their hope in the Lord, to fully rest their hope in the coming of Jesus Christ, to fully rest their hope in the salvation of our souls. And then from there, he tells them that we are to be an obedient children of God that we are called to obey the Lord versus conforming ourselves to our own lust or the things that God has delivered us out from. And again, this is where, again, we'll talk about girding up our minds, that battle against the flesh. And then he tells them to be holy in all of our conduct, to be holy for God is holy. And we're called to be followers of the Lord. And when we get into that, we're gonna talk about the difference between holiness and legalism. Look at holiness comes under a lot of attack today, the call to obey God. People, oh, I got a relationship with God. That means I can do whatever I want to do. No, no, no. You don't find that in Scripture. We're called to be a people set apart for the Lord. And the good news is abundant life is found walking with Christ. Holy living is good living. And this was God called us to. And listen, we have a freedom in the Lord to be able to walk in that holiness that god has called us to so with that said let's read the text together verse 13 through 16 and dive into this this morning it says therefore gird up the loins of your mind be sober and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of jesus christ as obedient children not conforming yourself to the former lust as in your ignorance But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct, because it is written, Be holy, for I am holy. Now, notice how he starts here, verse 13. It says, therefore. So this is a connecting word. In other words, since all of these other things are true that I've already said, this is what you need to do next. And again, what has he gone over with them? Again, the fact that they're dispersed, they're going through a great fiery trial, but number one, these trials are only for a little while, if need be. 
that in these trials, as you endure through them, your faith in Jesus Christ is seen as genuine. These trials are providing opportunity to store up rewards that you'll receive at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he tells them to greatly rejoice in that. And then he says, you've been begotten to a living hope by his mercy and through his resurrection. Look at these are encouragements in the midst of a fiery trial. You have an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that does not fade away, reserved for you in heaven. Is that not good news? He says, though now you don't see him, yet believing you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. And then last week we talked about that salvation. How, again, after man's sin, the promise was given of the Savior who would come, and though the serpent would bruise his heel, he would crush his head. And we saw after that fall when the promise was given, the whole Old Testament revolves around the prophets and the people of God searching out in what time and what manner the Savior would come. Look at, we read of those individuals But that never came while they were upon earth. Their faith was fulfilled. And Peter encourages them that you have obtained that which they long to see, this glorious salvation that even angels desire to look into. And we'll come back to that in a second here, these angels desiring to look into our salvation. So with all that said, you're in the battle, but you have all these encouragements, all these truths are for you. So gird up your minds and think right think biblically in everything you're going through you need to remember what is true and what is not true so you can be led by truth remember jesus said you will know the truth and the truth will set you free so therefore gird up the loins of your mind now to gird it's an interesting phrase it's an interesting word i have the definition i think the best definition i could find you know, as it is implied in this text here in Scripture. It's there in your notes. It says, To gird is to prepare for a military attack. But more loosely, it refers to readying oneself for any kind of confrontation. When you gird for something, you are preparing for the worst-case scenario. Gird can also mean fasten something tightly with a belt or a band, like like God's word around your head. As in gird your loins, or it can mean to surround or to encircle a field that is girded by trees, is surrounded or encircled by trees. You can look at our grass area out there, our fake grass area, but the trees are real. And again, they gird that grass area. Look at the word loins biblically. It's regarded as the place where a man gets his physical strength. It's where a man's offspring comes from. Physically, it is the waist and the the lower back area. So the idea of girding up or trying to robe around your loins in order to go to battle. So again, back in that day, if a couple guys, you know, for whatever reason, had to go to battle for whatever reason, as they wore robes back then, they didn't have Levi's, they would gird up their robe. They would bring that up so it would not get in their way. Look at the way you would view this today is a couple guys today have a confirmation. What do they do? They don't gird up their loins. Well, maybe nowadays. <laughs> but what do they do? They'll, they'll go take off their t-shirt, at least where I grew up. You're going to scrap? Okay, I'm going to take off my t-shirt. Like, I've never seen that. Watch Cops for an hour. You'll see it about six or seven times. 
It's that picture, I'm preparing for a battle. I'm preparing to scrap about whatever. Now, again, this is not an encouragement for us to go around and pick fights physically and so forth. But absolutely, this is a great truth here. We are in the midst of an incredible spiritual war. And have you noticed that as well in this world around us, it seems like we're in a war, not again physically, we love our neighbor as ourselves, but it is a truth war that's raging around us. It's a war of moralities and the spreading of the gospel versus those that oppose that with that spiritual, you know, a demonic behind that, as well as we'll get into this, the war between the soul and the flesh. So we are in a war, and so Peter says, you need to gird up the loins of your mind and be sober-minded day in and day out. Again, we have enemies that abound, spiritual enemies that abound that want us thinking wrongly, walking wrongly, and living wrongly outside of the truths and God's will for us. Again, they're in the midst of a great fiery trial. They are getting bombarded. They have seen loved ones martyred. They've been dispersed. And the last thing the enemy of their soul wanted them to do is to think on these truths. To remember, listen, God's working a work in these trials. They're only for a little bit. Look, at they're being allowed to show that our faith is genuine, we're earning a reward in heaven and persevering in this. And we've been begotten or born again to a living hope. We got an inheritance. It's incorruptible. It's reserved for us in heaven. We got a joy unspeakable and full of glory because the end of our life is going to result in the salvation of our souls. We've obtained with all in that old covenant, that old testament long for and that angels desire to look into and he says thanks soberly get this truth before you these truths the truth of scripture before you and walk in it wrap it around your mind and walk in it in the midst of this day in and day out combat that we face later on in the epistle we refer to this passage much there's so much truth in it here it really depicts this spiritual war 1 Peter 5, 8, and notice the verbiage there. He says, be sober. Remember in our text here, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober. So he's saying, think right. He's saying the same thing here. Think right. Gird your mind with truth. Be sober, be vigilant. And so vigilant is that idea of being watchful and on top of it, be sober, be vigilant. That is a call all day long into the next day and the next day, all my days to think rightly, to be mindful, to be alert. Be sober, be vigilant. Why? Because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. And then notice, resist him, steadfast in the faith, knowing the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. We resist by girding up our minds, by standing in truth. We'll talk more about this practically here in a second. Remember, again, he just had said, that angels desire to look into our salvation. Hear this this morning. Fallen angels desire to keep men from obtaining salvation. Ultimately, Satan could care less about the environment, the economy, and the state of the world. Those are just platforms used to bring divisions and deceptions and even to get men caught up in temporary things. 
His main aim is to make Christians ineffective and try to take away their joy and keep souls damned to hell. And the way that we think, the way that we live goes a long way in determining whether we'll walk in victory or not. In our inner person and in our call to live for God, that's why we need to gird up our minds. Looking on top of this, and I've already begun to touch on it. If you're a follower of Christ who stands for righteousness, who wants to stand for righteousness, is that us this morning? Can we say amen to that? Hear this. You're going to have conflicts and confrontations at times in the world. Have you noticed that at all? It's not that we got a call to go pick fights with people to be rude and so forth. No, we are called to be loving and to be respectful, but we are called to stand for the truth and not move away from the truth to appease individuals who are God-haters, to appease a wicked and perverse generation that by God's grace, we've even been saved out of that needs to hear the truth. And yet you look throughout God's word and you'll see men and women of God having conflict with the world around them. So oftentimes when people speak of Jesus, they you know, paint this picture of a man that went around and nowhere he went did he ever have conflict. And yet everywhere he went, he had conflict. For goodness sake, in the very town he was raised up in, we're not talking about the, oh yeah, those Pharisees. No, in the town he was raised up in, his neighbors and so forth When he went there to minister, he could only do a few miracles because of the lack of faith there in Nazareth. And you guys go into Israel, we'll see this. In Nazareth, it's up on a hillside, and there is just a complete drop-off. Those people who he grew up with when he brought the gospel tried to drive him off of that cliff. They said, we're going to kill you. You're the son of that carpenter, and you're going to come in here and school us about the things of God? And we know Jesus walked right through him because it wasn't his time. And we can have a confidence in that as well. Look at again, Jesus everywhere he went, he did have conflict with the Pharisees. He had conflict again as well as with other individuals who were just set on temporary things. At one point in the midst of the Lord's ministry, someone cries out, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. And the Lord says, I'm not your arbitrator. That's some conflict there. He was trying to get Jesus bend knee to go about that temporary business. Now, look, we can bring those things to the Lord in prayer, and he's concerned about those things. The problem was that was those men's main focus, and the main focus of our Lord is not the kingdom of earth, but the kingdom of heaven. Look, go read through the book of Acts. Paul and Peter and John and these apostles, everywhere they went, they were having conflict. When it says they turned the world upside down, that wasn't a compliment being given to them. We look at that and they say, isn't that awesome? They turned the world upside down. They were saying they're turning the world upside down. We need to stop them. Go arrest them. Put them in prison. Think about Paul in Ephesus. He goes there and there's a great deliverance and yet the silversmiths band together to try to have them arrested and executed. And then these believers here that Peter is writing to, they're simply following the Lord and the enemy of their soul stirs up Nero to burn down Rome to blame them. And now they're in the midst of great conflict. We're not to go out looking for conflict. 
but there's a time to stand up in the face of evil. And we know that it's par for the course that conflict is going to come. You need to hear this this morning. Because a lot of people, they say, I get saved, and that means I'm just going to get along with everybody. Yes, we should strive to live peaceably with everybody. We should be a peaceable people. We should share the gospel in a peaceable loving manner tactfully but let me tell you if you're going to live for the lord and share the gospel and be set apart for the lord hear this this morning you're going to have conflict you just are going to have conflict this is a biblical truth john 15 18 if the world hates you you know it hated me before it hated you if you were of the world the world will love its own And oftentimes when there's a Christian running around never having any conflict whatsoever, it's because they're living and acting just like the world. Yet because you're not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Some will say, well, that was way back then, Steve. That's first century Christianity. And we've evolved way past that now. We're all ecumenical and we get along. And I got my coexist bumper sticker and what so forth. Notice 2 Timothy 3.12 again. This verse makes it in every other sermon. Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. And then notice the next verse. But evil men and imposters will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. So in other words, the conflict is not going to get lesser and lesser. The conflict's going to get more and more. And we see this unfolding. Evil men and imposters abound, do they not? deceiving and being deceived i mean we are in a greatly deceived culture or there what was it the other day someone it was at a world economic forum you know a world economic forum those guys none of them are elected you know and they act like they run everything you know all this influence and so forth and someone on there said something you need to know in america that hate speech laws are going to come upon you really really quickly And what kind of hate speech are they talking about here? Are they talking about people plotting, you know, to blow up City Hall? No, they're talking about the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The call to repent. The call to marriage as one man and one woman in holy matrimony and everything outside of that is sin. Whether it's homosexuality or shacking up or whatever else it is. It needs to be repented of. God does not bless that. And so this idea, boy, there's going to be conflict. You better not preach that way. We're going to come and get you. A lot of times that is even fear-mongering. So guys will go, oh, Biden, better not say anything. They're going to come get me. They might take away my rights. You just forfeited your rights if you shut your mouth. We're not called to do that. And we're also not loving those around us because people need to hear truth. God loves those folks in those places and they need to hear the liberating truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. But if you're going to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, you're going to stand for the Lord, live righteously, you're going to have conflict. These people Peter is writing to, if they would have renounced Christ, guess what? They would not have had a lick of conflict whatsoever, but would they have been in God's will? It would have taken them denying the Lord Jesus Christ and saying, Caesar is Lord, not Jesus. And they said, we're not going to do that. Jesus saved us. Jesus has set us free. We know the power of God. We haven't seen him, but we know him and he dwells with us and he's washed us and he's worthy of glory and honor and praise. We're not going to deny the Lord. And they say, well, you're going to have conflict then. And that conflict, again, was being driven from a force 
that's supernatural of fallen angels and Satan himself. So listen, we gird up our minds knowing it will come in order to respond biblically when it does. We need to be thinking right. Versus when conflict comes for standing for truth, we run away from it or we think, I, I, I must be in sin because I'm having conflict with unrighteous people. The enemy will use that. Now, if I'm having conflict because I'm being a jerk for Jesus, I do need to repent from that. I need to be aware, aware of that. Look, sometimes we make a righteous stand, but we do it in the wrong way. Anyone ever been there before? I have. There's been more than once that I've had to apologize, not for my stance and what I was standing for, but the way I was standing. It was like, hey, let me tell you about Jesus. And then I took my shirt off. Hey, you know, come on. No, we can't do that. That, 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 that doesn't save souls. I'm not going to stranglehold anyone into the kingdom of God. And ultimately, at the end of the day, look, it, it doesn't matter if I win an argument or not. The truth is the truth. You can sit in here all morning and, and argue that the sun is not in the sky. But as soon as you go out there, where do you see the sun's in the sky? And the Lord is on the throne, whether people believe it or not. But how many times do Christians compromise truth to avoid conflict? To avoid conflict, you know what, with, with, with the demonic and spiritual warfare. I've had people tell me, I, I, look, at, I want to be saved, but I notice when I walk with the Lord, there's this spiritual conflict. And I don't want that anymore. So I'm going to believe in Jesus and go do what I want to do because I'm left alone. When I compromise, what kind of life is that to live? There's going to be conflict in the world. Again, as we read, the world hates when we live for Christ. The world loves carnal Christianity, though. They love it when Christians look just like them. Look at the world celebrated when old Kanye West said he was a believer. Oh, we love this type of Christianity we want. Because guess what? His full catalog of perverted music is still up online. It was never taken down. And now you see what's come out of it. The guy's like a full-on anti-Semite. Pray for his real salvation. But the world loves that. Why? Because again, it comforts them. They love their own. But if you're going to stand for truth... If that guy would have came out and said, look, I'm taking all this stuff down and preached a sound gospel and didn't make it a sideshow, maybe just disappeared and got discipled for three or four years, that's always a good move. A much different story. You see, again, what the Lord said about the world loving its own manifest in that. There's oftentimes even conflict in Christendom when you stand for truth. There's a lot of that today. There is so much false teaching and nonsense out there. And you say, well, look, at, we're just going to stick to the Bible and so forth. And this is wrong. Boom, that conflict's on. And then conflict within ourselves. And we want to make sure we don't compromise, again, that call to turn from sin. Because it's so easy to, when we compromise, sear our conscience. And then all of a sudden we are not being conformed as we'll see here in a minute from our former lust but we're learning to christianize our former lust or make provision for them by the wrong interpretation of what grace is and why we have grace we don't want to do that 
Look at all this produces, this compromise. It produces and is producing an apostate Christianity that the Bible speaks so much about being prevalent in the last days to the point where Jesus says in Luke 18, verse 8, when the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith on the earth or will I find real faith on the earth? We need to gird up the loins of our minds. Look at that compromise, a sinful, short-sighted, selfish, and weak-minded. Romans 13, 11, it's now high time to awake out of the sleep. And then later he says, let's put on the armor of light. It's time to wake up and gird up to be about God's business and to be thinking, as he says next, soberly. Think soberly or clearly or better yet, this would be interpreted, think biblically. Sober thinking is biblical thinking. Anyone in the room ever get drunk before? We, we don't need hands and testimonies. You don't think right. You do stupid stuff. It's a wine's a mocker, strong drink, a brawler, all kinds of nonsense that happens. It's easy to live a life where maybe you never even take a sip of alcohol, but you live like a drunk person. You don't think right. You're not sobered up by God's word, but you're drunk by the thinking of the enemy and the world and the flesh. That can't be us. This is just a a little set of scriptures here that talks about thinking soberly and gives instruction to it and so forth. Proverbs 3, 5, we're familiar with it. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. That word understanding means wisdom or thinking. We don't want to lean on that, especially, again, this is talking about when it contradicts God's word. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. Could you imagine being part of this dispersion they've gone through and now you're in a foreign land and you're thinking of a loved one that was martyred and you start leaning on your own understanding? This is what I signed up for, Lord. You know, and you, the, everything that would come with that, you start spiraling downwards. Why is this happening? Versus going, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. The Lord said they hated him first. They're going to hate us. Wait a minute. Aren't we instructed that we have a future and hope in the Lord, that he works all things for good? Our life is short and we have salvation. And we're having an opportunity to represent Jesus Christ to a world around us that desperately needs him. Boy, that everything changes immediately because you've girded up your mind. You're thinking truthfully. Colossians 3.1, it says, If then you are raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Notice, set your mind on things above, not on the things of the earth. We got to do things here on earth. It's not saying ignore mowing your lawn and doing your laundry and paying your rent and mortgage. It's not saying that. But Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. It means I have my mind set on the Lord. So when I'm going to get gas for my car for, you know, at commuting this week, my mind isn't just on putting gas in my car. I'm looking around that gas station, those pumps, and saying, I wonder if everyone pumping gas here knows Jesus. And Lord, is there anyone you're prompting me right now to have a conversation with? Sometimes there will be, maybe other times they're not. But at the minimum, I can take this gospel track out of my glove box and boom, put it right there on the pump. For someone come along maybe next to pick that thing up and to read it. To come to know the Lord Jesus Christ. 
began thinking with our minds set on things above. It was so imperative that they were doing that then. And then notice 2 Corinthians 10.3. It says, though we walk in the flesh, notice the verbiage here, we do not war according to the flesh. Y'all, we're in a war. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, so they're not physical. It's not taking off the t-shirt and boxing. But mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Like, you're being persecuted. How can God love you? That would be one of those thoughts that comes against the truth of God. Notice bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ and ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. So in other words, having our mind girded with Scripture and these thoughts that come in, whether it's a temptation, it's an assault on the Lord, it's an assault on who we are in Christ, it's an assault on God's love for other people, whatever it would be a God, a, a, an attack on morality, I say, no, no, this is what the Scripture says, and that puts those thoughts down. Look at Jesus when he was tempted by the devil he didn't take he didn't gird up his loins and say let's box he said it is written i'm gonna put you down with the word of god most of spiritual warfare in your life you know where it takes place right between your two ears notice as well here he says therefore gird up the loins of your mind be sober and i want to emphasize that your mind I can point others to the truth, but ultimately I can only control what goes on in my mind and I will give an account for what goes on in my mind so I had better gird it up. There's a lot of people running around. They want a society that girds up and thinks straight, but they themselves aren't totally committed to it. They're partially committed to girding up their mind. You know, they're really into conservative politics and the Second Amendment. And boy, they really gird up for that. I'm not saying those are bad things. I think those are very good things. But when it comes to living holy and being a witness and using that as a platform to represent Jesus, they don't gird up for anything. They live just like the world. What's the use of having those things and those freedoms if we don't use them as a platform to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ? Look at some recognize. Look at when you don't gird up your mind, again, you gird up your mind, the loins of your mind, you're going to be blessed, even in the midst of conflict. But when you don't gird up the loins of your mind, you're going to suffer. Some recognize it. Others, listen, they learn to live compromised because they get so conditioned to thinking this is how life is supposed to be. I did a little word study on, again, that idea of loins. And this is talking about loins. And a lot of this is, is used as a parable. But this, these are all cases when people aren't just girding up their loins or their loins are suffering. But, you know, their inner strength is suffering. It goes back to their mind not being girded up. It speaks of those in the world and those that reject Christ. In Psalm 69, 23, it says, Let their eyes be darkened so they do not see, and make their loins shake continually. There's a lot of people running around, and the loins of their mind are continually shook. There, there, there are so many mental issues in our world today. I'm convinced that very few of them go back to chemical imbalances and so forth. There's some of that. A mind is very fragile. You can break your arm. You can have issues in your mind. 
the bulk of this stuff comes from a world that's rejecting Jesus Christ. And therefore, people are broken in their minds. It's amazing what happens when you begin to feed your mind the word of God and stand in the word of God. Look at David when he was in sin. He said in Psalm 38, 7, For my loins are full of inflammation, and there's no soundness in my flesh. That physically happened to him, but it's also showing that when a believer does not want to gird up the loins of their mind and walk in the manner called us to walk, we're going to have, we're, going to, we're, going to, we're not going to have a prosperous life with the fruits of the Holy Spirit. And then it's interesting, speaking of the tribulation that's soon to come it speaks of men in that day he says in jeremiah 30 verse 6 so why do i see every man with his hands on his loins like a woman in labor and all their faces have turned pale and we know that's going to be a day that comes as a result of a world that says we don't want you jesus we want our own messiah trouble comes Look, at let that not be us. Let us be a people that yield all our thinking to the Lord and his word. Notice Isaiah eleven five: Righteousness shall be the belt of his loins and faithfulness the belt of his waist. Righteousness being, being made right with God through faith in Jesus Christ and right living through obeying the Lord Jesus Christ. That's when you're going to have, again, a prosperity in your thinking, in your inner person, no matter what kind of conflict you're going through. And there's going to be conflict. Notice what he says next. And rest your hope fully on the grace that is to be brought to you with the revelation of Jesus Christ. Again, with all this going on, Think properly and fully rest your hope in what is to come versus resting your hope in temporary things that are going to perish. Most people in the world put their hope in things that come and go, things that are temporary. Notice 2 Corinthians 4.16. It speaks so good to this point Peter's making. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light afflictions is just for a moment is working in us a far more exceeding weight of glory. Why we do not look at the things that are seen, but the things that are not seen. For the things that are seen are temporary, but the things that are not seen are eternal. It's so easy just to get all your hope, or the bulk of your hope, and things that are temporary. Forgetting that Paul told Timothy in Timothy 6.6, or 6 7, you bring nothing into the world, and it's sure when you leave, you will bring nothing with you. It's all temporary. Part of that coming of the Lord is a new heaven and a new earth. This old is going to burn away. It is a foolish thing if that's where all our hope lies. We should be thankful for our provisions. We should be good stewards for what we have. We should plan things and so forth. But absolutely, our hope is not in these things, but our hope is fully in the Lord Jesus Christ, the salvation we have in him, and the kingdom to come. Look, we talked about this a few weeks ago in the book of Joshua. Joshua overtook 31 Canaanite kings as God instructed him to do. They took down 31 nation states. In the midst of that, they amassed a great number of battle horses and chariots. 
And you know what Joshua did with those battle horses and chariots? He didn't build up a massive army because those things were like having nuclear warheads back then. It says he went and he hamstrung the, the, the horses and they burned up the chariots. And people say, why in the world would he do that? Well, number one, he was instructed to. But the reason he was instructed to is because God wanted them dependent upon him, not on horses and chariots. And he knew if they started to do that, they would get consumed with temporary things to try to amass an army. We talked about this. They would be over prepping. There's some people, they prep so much on earth. There's many Christians, they prep so much on earth. They ain't doing a lick when it comes to prepping for glory. It's a place for some of that. It's wise. But if our hope was just fully here and me getting my bunker and my arsenal and all my investments and everything else, and we're hunkered down, we're ready for the tribulation, then bump up of all, here comes Jesus. And then you're going to stand before him. What did you do with, you know what, I gave you? Well, we have uh, two shipping containers full of food. (laughs) Let's put our hope fully in the Lord. Let's be wise here, be led by the Lord. I think three months of food is a really good idea. If the Lord leads you to do more, be led of him. But make sure your hope is fully in him and knowing I'm going to stand before God at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And I'm going to give an account for my life. And if my life was just, you know, accumulating things here and, you know, building this little kingdom here so I can feel safe in it, I will have squandered my life. Again, rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you, notice, at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Not, look, at if Jesus comes one day, he is coming. The Lord is coming, and Jesus himself said, he is coming soon. And by his grace through faith in Jesus, we can rejoice in that and know that he is coming for us. Think biblically in this because we're living in a time where scoffers and mockers abound when it comes to the coming of the Lord. Not just in the world, but it seems they're abounding even in Christianum. But notice 2 Peter 3.1. Peter gets into this in the next epistle. Beloved, I now write to you the second epistle, and both which to notice, stir up your minds. We're talking about that. By way of reminder that you may be mindful of the words that were spoken before by the holy prophets and the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior. Knowing the scoffers will come in the last days, walking according to their lust. And then he goes into how they willfully forget that the world was destroyed before with water and how it's going to be restored or destroyed a second time with fire. And then he says in verse 8, But beloved, do not forget. Again, this all goes back to the mind. This is a reminder. Be mindful of these words. I stir up your pure mind. Do not forget this in your mind, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, a thousand years is one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering towards us, not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. Thank you for your grace, God. But notice verse 10. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. And what's going to happen with everything here? 
The heavens will pass away with a great noise. The elements will melt with a fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. Let's fully rest our hope in Christ to come and the glory that's set before us. Again, the Lord's building mansions right now. The Lord's prepping for me in heaven right now. The Lord's prepping for us. Isn't that glorious? What an awesome thought. So look at the world around us seems to be going crazy, but we can fully rest in these truths. Jesus said in John 14, 27, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. And that was, that's for us. That was for them back then in the midst of that great trial. Now verse 14, he says, As obedient children... This is part of girding our mind, walking in truth as obedient children, not conforming yourself to the former lust as in your ignorance. Now hear this this morning. We are saved by grace through faith, not of works, lest any man should boast. When you get saved by the Lord, you're no longer under the law that declares us sinners. If we're still under the law, we're all going to hell. We break the law. But when we came to Christ, we came under grace and under the shed blood of the one who fulfilled the law on our behalf, the Lord Jesus Christ, who died for our sins and rose from the grave. And you need to understand when you come to Christ, you are free from the law. Jesus said in John 8, 36, if the son makes you free, you shall be free. Indeed, we are free. But here's where a lot of people get confused. We are free to be empowered to obey God. We are not meant to be free to go back and practice the sins and be conformed to our former lusts that Jesus Christ died on the cross to make atonement for. 1 Corinthians 6.12, all things are lawful for me, but all, not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. I want to obey the Lord. This obedience is not about my salvation. This obedience is about loving my God and walking in victory and living a life worth living a joyful life, walking in the commands of the Lord. It's not a legalism. We got liberty up in this place. 1 Peter 2.16 As free yet not using your liberty for a cloak of ice, but as a bondservant of God. So I don't use my liberty to go and to practice sin and say, oh, it's okay, I'm under grace, but I use it to serve God. I'm not under the bondage of that anymore. I'm free now. Now I want to learn how to walk in that freedom. Galatians 5.1, stand fast, therefore, in liberty, by which Christ has made us free. Let's stand fast in the gospel. I'm saved by grace through faith and not of works. It's not my doing. It's not a law. It's Jesus that saved me, again, which has made us free and do not be entangled again into a yoke of bondage. Look at the world's in bondage. We are, as he says here, children of God. Now it's time to learn how to walk in our freedom. We're called to obey God according to his word. Listen to Titus 2.16. It's so good. For this grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. Again, we're saved by grace. It's a free gift of God through what Christ has done. We're saved by grace through faith in the Lord. But listen, grace, grace isn't just a saving agent. It's a teaching agent and an influencing agent. It is an empowerment from God to help us to walk in the things of God. Notice, for, by grace, uh, for the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, 
teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust that we should live, again, notice the word again, soberly, righteously, and godly in this present age. We need to think right. We need to think according to grace, which is, I am called to obey God to be holy as he is holy. And if you're thinking, I got grace, so I'll go sin, you ain't thinking right. Well, some guy preached that. He's wrong. That's not scriptural. Well, God doesn't want me to, you know, miss out on fun. That stuff damns souls to hell. It destroys marriages. It destroys nations. It sucks your joy away. 2 Timothy 2, 19, let everyone who names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. And then notice Ephesians 5, 8, let no one deceive you with empty words. Because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon who? Not the sons of obedience, the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not be partakers with them. Instead, James 1, be doers of the word. And this is where some will say, well, Steve, you know what? That just sounds like legalism to me. Yeah, I've, I've, I've never read the Bible, but that sounds like legalism to me. And I have a love relationship with Jesus, and he loves sinners, so he's all good with me doing whatever I want to do. Well, really, Jesus said in John 14, 15, if you love me, keep my commandments. Hear this this morning. You are not just called to relationship with Jesus. I'm going to use the R word. You're called to religion. James 1, 27, pure and undefiled religion before God is this, to visit orphans and widows in their trouble. And then this is the part usually left off, to keep oneself unspotted from the world. In other words, to live a holy life. We're like, oh, I'm no radical, you know, I, but okay, I, I'm, me and Jesus are just friends. Jesus said in John 15, 14, you are my friends if you do whatever I command you. Do we see this, see a relationship with God? Well, I got a relationship. I'm not into religion. Bro, bro, those go hand in hand. You want to walk with the Lord? The Lord walks a holy walk. Well, he dined with sinners. Yes, he did. And he told everyone last of, he told every last one of them to repent and go sin no more. Look at in this, it's that next conflict. It's between the soul and the flesh, right? The spirit says, yes, I want to walk in holiness. The flesh says, no, no, let's go walk like the world. Anyone ever experienced that? You're like, yeah, every day. First Peter 2, 11, beloved, I beg you as sojourners and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul. So we got to gird up the loins of our mind, get our minds renewed, set our minds on the Lord, take those temptations captive to the obedience of Christ, stand in the truth of God's word. The psalmist says, your word I've hidden in my heart that I will not sin against you. And we have to be determined no longer to be conformed, as he says here, to our former lust that we did when we were ignorant. Y'all, we're not ignorant anymore. Now we know. Now we know. So don't be conformed to those things. We're to be in a process of being transformed, of being more and more like Jesus, practically being sanctified. Here's the thing, though. We learned this in Romans this, you know, a year or so ago. Whatever who, or whoever you choose, it's on you, it's on me, whoever you choose to present yourself to, you will conform yourself to. 
You just want to present yourself to the world and all the nonsense in it nonstop and say, well, I'm free to do this, that, and the other. You are, but you're going to be conformed by all that out there. You start presenting yourself to the Lord, to his word, a man, a woman, a prayer of worship, filtering everything through God's word. You're going to start to be transformed in your mind and you're going to be more and more conformed into what Christ has called you to be conformed to a man, a woman, of God. Romans 6:12 Therefore do not let sin reign in your mortal body that you should obey its lusts. And notice, do not present your members as instruments of a righteousness to sin, but present your body present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you're not under the law but under grace. Oh, I'm under grace so I can go have sin and have it have dominion over me no you're under grace so that absolutely you can walk in victory over sin and basically what it comes down to whatever you sponge in is what's going to be sponged out notice and hear this this morning listen this is not a killjoy message (laughs) great joy is found in obeying god Let me ask you, you know what? You go and you indulge in some sin that you're not supposed to be indulging in. It's pleasurable for a minute. Do you have joy for the next two or three days? Is there a joy unspeakable and full of glory after you partake of that sin? It's not to be found, is it? Joy's found walking with the Lord. As Samuel told King Saul after his rebellion and refusing to destroy the Amalekites as instructed by the Lord Samuel showed up and he said to obey is better than sacrifice and to heed than the fat of rams for rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft I don't want to be a Christian using grace to practice witchcraft I want to believe be a believer using grace to walk in obedience to my Lord and when I fall short to say Lord wash me of this I want to get moving forward in you I don't want to go on a bender because I had a slip up here. Look at joy is better, or obedience is better than sacrifice. It pleases God. It validates your witness. It doesn't quench the Holy Spirit, but brings the power of the Spirit of God into our lives. It brings rewards both here and glory. And it's the call of God upon our lives. Solomon wrapped it all up in Ecclesiastes twelve thirteen. He says, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments. And again, this was saying, well, that, that's legalism. That's the Old Testament, Steve. That's legalism. We're not called, I hate legalism, just so y'all know. Just y'all show I hate legalism. I drive a lowrider. That's how much I hate it. <laughs> oh, you can't drive that lowrider. You go to hell. We got a law in our church. That law ain't in the Bible. That law ain't there. You think I'd have this mustache if we were a legalistic church? That'd be the first thing on the books. They'd write that out. Legalism was men make up their own laws and they take their own convictions where we have freedoms and they heap it on others. That's wicked and perverse. We're not called to legalism. Bro, we walk in liberty here, but we are called to holiness. Verse 15 and 16. But, and we've talked a lot about this, so we'll finish it up. But he who called you as but as he who called you as holy, you also be holy in all your conduct, because 
It is written, be holy for I am holy. Again, don't conform yourself to the former lust when you were ignorant, but as he who called you, I think there's a typo in your notes there. As he who called you is holy, you be holy again in all your conduct. And he says, this is written. This is God's written word. This isn't Peter saying, I'm going to give you my convictions. It is written in the word of God, be holy for I am holy. That is not legalism. Well, that sounds a bit religious. Yeah, we're called to be devout. That's what religious means. We're called to be devout followers of the Lord. (laughs) Again, we're not only called to believe in him, but to follow him. And really, if you don't follow him, how can you say you believe in him? You're like, but I do, I'm backslidden. Then God's going to woodshed you then, bro. Jesus said in... Luke 9, 23, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Like, oh man, that sounds like I'm gonna lose life. No, no, whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. You wanna live a full life? Follow the Lord. Get your mind thinking right and recognize I'm called to be holy, not to just go partake of this, that, and the other. Now, again, yes, sometimes it's a struggle. It's a daily fight. It's a war, is it not? Sometimes it takes years to overcome certain things. But keep fighting the fight. Keep getting your mind renewed. Keep moving forward in the Lord. He's saying here, Jesus was and is holy. Holy means morally blameless, and it means to be religious, which means to be devout or godly. We're not talking about self-righteousness here. It's not, I'm holier than thou. I'm a sinner damned to hell outside of the grace of God Almighty. But I'm called to live for my God who suffered on the cross for me. And guess what? I don't lose out on anything in that. There's no way in the world if I had not come back to Christ as a young man that I would be a man with almost 30 years of marriage now. We're almost at our 30th year. And Shannon says, we got to go somewhere on this one. (laughs) I tried that, it didn't work. (laughs) Again, notice we're almost done, but Hebrews... 726 we have such a high priest as was fitting for us talking about jesus who's holy harmless undefiled separated from sinners i thought he died with sinners he did he dined with them by while being separated from their sin he loved them so much he's like i'm gonna go down where no one goes and i'm gonna dine with them and tell them how much i love them and tell them to repent and come follow me he wasn't down there in the brothel you know what having a good time he was down there wanting to save their souls from eternal hell he committed no sin no deceit was found in his mouth so he says be holy like he's holy and notice here in all of your conduct not just certain areas like oh it's easy for me to be holy in that area i'm not really tempted by it no in all of our conduct going back and You know, when we talked about the coming of the Lord and scoffers, the next verse after it says, this will be burned with fire in 2 Peter 3.11, he says, therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of person ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness? And then looking for the coming of the Lord. Notice 1 Thessalonians 4.7. God did not call us to uncleanliness, but 
in holiness. Therefore, he who rejects this does not, does not reject man, but God who has given us the Holy Spirit. So if you're sitting there saying, ah, no, this sounds like legalism to me, this holiness stuff, I reject that. Over the years, I've seen so many people reject. I remember years ago, a guy come and grow in the Lord. And he says, what do you mean? You really believe I can't go sleep with chicks? I'm going, bro, this is what the word says. And try to explain to him why that's not a profitable life. Man, get out of here with that stuff. He wasn't rejecting me. He was rejecting God and the Holy Spirit. This great move today to shun God's word and say, let's just create an atmosphere where anything goes and let's just foster sin. And if anyone says this is wrong, we'll call them legalists and Pharisees. They ain't, they, they're, they're, they're not rejecting a remnant church saying stand for truth. They're rejecting God and the Holy Spirit. That's a dangerous place to be. Now, I don't know about you, but I need help in this every day. I need help to get saved. And this is why it says there in 2 Corinthians 5.21, He made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. We're saved by grace through faith. Amen. If you haven't called upon Christ, you need to come to him today, ask him to forgive you, to wash you, to be your Lord and Savior, and then positionally you're made right with him. I need help day to day, though, living out my Christianity. I love Hebrews 4.15. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but in all points was tempted as we are, yet without sin. Therefore, let us come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy to find grace in our time of need. Let's go to him daily. Let's present ourselves to the Lord. And listen, in all of this, don't cheapen God by thinking he's good with sin. He'll bless sinful endeavors. He'll bring sin into glory. Look at, he is a holy God and he's calling us to holiness. And he understands our shortcomings and our struggles. He wants to come and help us with those things. That's why he went to the cross. Look, if there's any other way, he would not have done that. Let's stand up and pray and close and worship to the Lord. Heavenly Father, we bless and praise you. We give you glory today. Thank you for a beautiful day, God. What a blessing, God, even being in here and seeing the sun come out there, God. You're so good to us, Lord. You've blessed us with an abundance, God, of gifts, the greatest being your son who died on the cross for us. If you don't know the Lord, today is the day of salvation. He wants to put you in right standing with the Father through calling on him. Come to the Lord today. Lord, we want to collectively ask you to help us to be a people with our hope fully, fully rested in you. Help us, Lord, in this call to holiness. We need your help and we need your aid, God. We pray, Lord, that absolutely, Lord, you'd gird up our minds. And God, we could have the right mindset in this world that we're living in. Be a sober, sober thinking people. Can we say amen to that this morning? Let's worship the Lord. Oh
mercy and see of your wondrous ways and I'll see of how you redeem me yet one thing remains the cry of my heart is to have one passion you my Lord one need in my soul of your presence God one joy
Amen. Don't we serve a good God? We can encourage you to encourage others, pray with others. Um, pray you have a wonderful day in the Lord Jesus Christ, and God greatly blesses you.